0: This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Streetwise Podcast, an extension of the Pitch in Kansas City. I am your host and the editor-in-chief of the Pitch, Mr. Brock Wilbur just finished catching the Foo Fighters show with opening act Radke. Uh, Foo's amazing as always, always playing a Springsteen-level set. It's, even for the biggest Foo fan, just a, a whole lot of concert, just a whole big whole thing. Always excited to see that. But uh, what a hell of a homecoming show for Radke. Uh, boy, it's been a while since I've seen uh, an opening act get the same level of cheers as a headliner, especially when that headliner is one of the biggest bands in the world, uh, they just came off playing Lollapalooza together this weekend, where Radke helped close out the entire gigantic festival, which, um, boy, I'm I'm excited to do festivals again. But also, if you've not checked out the Woodstock 99 documentary on HBO Max, um, it is a reminder of how... How Badly things like that can go. Um, Lollapalooza was fairly packed in Chicago this weekend. Uh, one of the headliners was Limp Biscuit. One of the headliners from Woodstock '99 was Limp Biscuit, who the document, uh, the documentary does a pretty good job of implicating in why the riots started happening, among many other reasons. But uh, Limp Biscuit was one of the only bands to not participate in the documentary. Uh, and you got to see, uh, if you were paying attention to Lollapalooza this weekend, um. The Limp Biscuit was far less incendiary with their comments to the audience between songs, sort of uh, pleasantly thankful to people that were vaccinated uh, instead of encouraging everyone to uh, break stuff. Uh, so uh, I don't know, maybe everyone learns or maybe they felt like the release of that documentary was a personal attack. Anyway, Radkey, if you haven't listened to them, please go track down their music right away. Uh, it is important to celebrate a hometown band that, Oh, my God, is breaking it big. Uh, We have a great episode of Streetwise today. Uh, We have Nick's Music Corner. As per always, we've got an interview coming up uh, with an author with a a subject matter that I think you're going to find very interesting. Um, And uh, then uh, I I guess uh, the place to start here is with our friend Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment. Uh, He's back, finally, after his big move. Uh, He is doing a reading of Beck Shackelford's uh, confidence Man uh, from our most recent issue of the magazine, which is on stands now, celebrating the bicentennial of Missouri. Uh, and uh, Jason, take it away.
1: Confidence Man: What Stephen G's meteoric rise means for brawny men everywhere by Beck Shackelford. For over a decade now, Kansas Cityan Stephen Green, who goes by Stephen G professionally, has found himself behind the camera, whether he's staging, shooting, or styling a model. Green is generally the one peering through the viewfinder. But in February of 2020, with the same type of charismatic confidence he displays in his photography and professional styling skills, Green springboarded into the deep end of the modeling agency. Luckily, he's a good swimmer. Green's first photoshoot as a signed model was a photo campaign for Rihanna's lingerie line, Savage X Fenty. Unsurprisingly, he went viral, but not just because of his wicked good looks. Unlike the vast majority of male underwear models, green is brawn, a new industry term for men of size. In the Savage X Fenty shoot, he is shirtless, unedited, and glowing. He took up space with enough confidence to make you think he was a seasoned model. But more than that, he made brawn men across the world feel seen and showed the importance of body positivity for men, too. I think that society has created a notion that women find a particular body type attractive, and that they don't find any other body type outside of that attractive. Green explains. What the Savage X Fenty opportunity brought about was that people do find plus-size body types attractive. We are all different. The world represents so many different people. You can have a gut and man boobs and still be attractive, says Green. Since the Savage X Fenty shoot, Green has been featured in several different campaigns for brands such as Nike, ASOS, Gymshark, and City Trends. Now that the world is slowly opening back up post-pandemic, he's beginning to travel more for modeling gigs. Although Green's success as a model may have seemed like it happened overnight, he says that leading up to his big break, he mastered the art of self-portraits and used himself as a model on his social media account. This allowed him to showcase his skills as a stylist, but he wasn't thinking of modeling professionally. I utilized myself and my professional Instagram platform to showcase different looks and creative things like street style, says Green. Then from there, randomly, producers and casting directors started reaching out to me for modeling gigs. During that time, I wasn't a model and was more interested in promoting my style services. As more and more producers and agents direct messaged Green on Instagram, he began to seriously consider a professional modeling career. As a photographer, he already spent a lot of time in the fashion world, and he liked the idea of using his image to promote diversity and inclusion for men. Being a photographer, working with models, I knew the ins and outs of modeling already from a perspective of getting those gigs, says Green. So I just decided randomly at 2 a.m., I'm just going to apply to some agency. One of the mission statements of a modeling agency Green applied to, Bridge Models, really complemented his own goals. As our name suggests, the ethos of the agency is to bridge the gap between standard and plus size in the fashion industry, says the agency's about page on their website. The plus size sector has seen some exciting changes in the last 20 years, and there is still vast capacity for growth. At Bridge, we are proud to be part of the continued change to promote diversity and healthy, positive role models. Just two weeks after his 2 a.m. revelation, Green was signed to bridge models with both their U.S. and London offices, which is how he got his Savage X Fenty shoot. Since then, Green successfully completed another campaign for Savage X Fenty, is working on a campaign for Fabletics, and has been nominated for Emerging Male Model for the Full Figured Fashion Awards, www.theffias.com, and Best Male Model for Kansas City's People's Choice Awards. Green continues to push for diversity and inclusion in modeling, especially when it comes to plus-size representation for men. While he may seem to radiate confidence now, Green has had his fair share of insecurities he has had to work through. I think there's many instances where, even in the sense of dating, I may not have pursued someone because I didn't necessarily have the confidence in my size, says Green. Like going to the pool, for instance. I would leave my shirt on versus taking it off because I wasn't confident in my body. Overcoming these self-esteem hurdles is a big reason Green became a model himself. He has become the representation he did not see as a young person. A lot of times, people who are of size don't pursue a lot of their passions, and they don't pursue a lot of things that are really within their purpose because they don't have the confidence and they are struggling with insecurities, Green says. But that representation is a driving force to reaffirm who they are. If they can do it, then I can do it too. Whether it's through his skills as a stylist, photographer, or model, Stephen G. strives to elevate people of all sizes to have the confidence to see their full potential. My vision is to see a culture of people embracing the divine connection of who they are and why they exist, says Green. I'm on a mission to tell the authentic story of others, utilizing my platforms, passions, and purpose. You can follow Green's modeling journey on his Instagram, at G, and view his photography on his webpage at www.stevengphotos.com.
0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Nick's Music Corner.
2: Hello, I'm Nick Basic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. Every Saturday and Sunday night, I try to make a point of catching Daryl Brogdon's Retro Cocktail Hour program on Kansas Public Radio. The long-running show plays space-age pop and incredibly strange music from classic artists like Esquivel and Les Baxter, all the way through more modern interpreters of the genre such as Creepsotica and Le Ghost. Because of my long-time appreciation for these sounds, I was happy to discover Vatican City Runaways' latest on Bandcamp, entitled Relative Ease. I know very little about Vatican City Runaways, aside from the fact that Jay Godek has been making music under this moniker since 2011. In the last decade, he's been astonishingly prolific, making albums which range from glitched-out psych-rock to down-tempo electronica, along with some experimental releases whose jokes I refuse to spoil. On relative ease, it feels like the books decided to make a Martin Denny tribute record after Lemon of Pink, with closer Breakers sounding like a dying turntable playing a lost demo version of Quiet Village. It's beautiful and unusual, and you can snag relative ease at Vatican City Runaways. Here's Breakers. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Nick. Now, uh, I've got an interview uh, with Tanner here coming up, and Tanner's book is called uh, Tourist. Uh, it's spelled sort of like terrorist, but with tourist in there. Uh, how I Failed to Find Myself in Southeast Asia. Uh, so he's a Kansas guy, uh, wrote this book about a trip that he took with a friend, motorcycling across Southeast Asia, and um, just how much uh, he felt failed to find who he was it's a little tongue-in-cheek but it's also a little bit about like I I went there in search of something and I I did not find what I set out to find I did find lots of adventures uh, and maybe didn't figure out everything didn't solve everything about myself it turns out that a a motorcycle trip is not a replacement for a decade of therapy Uh, but here's uh, here's our short discussion about his book which is available now Tanner welcome to the show would you introduce yourself to the
3: audience (laughs) Uh, my name is Tanner Ballingy. Uh I'm a writer and uh, a mailman living in Phoenix, Arizona. You are here today to talk about a book
0: that you have just released. What is the book about and why did you write it?
3: <laughs> uh, the book is about uh, a part of a journey that I went on in a 2012 Uh, journey is kind of a corny, corny word. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, I went traveling after college in like 2012, uh, after I graduated from uh, Washburn university and um, I met a friend in, uh, in uh, Bangkok, Thailand, and together we, uh, we bought, uh, motorcycles, and we rode them uh, from uh, Hanoi, Vietnam, to uh, Saigon, aka Ho Chi Minh City, uh, Vietnam, and then into Cambodia, and into Thailand, and then back into Cambodia. We just, I just went on a motorcycle trip with my friend in Vietnam, mostly in Vietnam, and I um, cool.
0: Was there another reason for your trip, or was it just to, to do this, like, sort of long road trip? <laughs> uh,
3: I really just, like, wanted to travel and stuff. I'd been in school, like, the majority of my life, and um, I'd really, like, uh, had fantasized about, like, traveling uh, for years, but uh, I I'd, I'd always had college, like, holding me back, and so after I graduated, uh, I just... Uh, just bought the ticket and took the ride, as they say.
0: so your your book and its title sort of betray that um, you you've done a rare thing here, which is very difficult to do and make engaging in a book, especially just from a selling standpoint, which is sort of those um hey, I went on a journey to find myself uh, and I didn't really like it it wasn't the journey I set out to take and I, I worried I failed at it. Why well, take that approach to this? <laughs>
3: Um, uh, it's kind of a difficult question. Uh, I, um, I was going through a kind of a rough period in my life. Um, and I didn't really know what I, um, wanted to to do with my life. I didn't know what my, like goal, like purpose was. I, I just didn't, like I said, I'd been in school my entire life. And so when it ended, I just kind of felt like lost and like, um, kind of like hopeless. Cause there was like, I couldn't think of anything that I really wanted to like settle down and do. Like I did, I just didn't like want to like grow up. And um, uh, so traveling seemed like a really good um, coping mechanism, uh, like in the, an escapist kind of uh, thing. And um, so, yeah, I went with that. And um, I didn't really like expect much so that I wouldn't be, uh, you know, disappointed. But I. Yeah, goodness set the bar low. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. So I just like, just kind of like threw myself to the wind and just like to see what would happen. And at the end of it, like I, um, like, like the subtitle says, like I, how I failed to like find myself. Um that's kind of like tongue in cheek like I did like learn like a lot of things about about myself and about like the world around me um but i it it was i wasn't like fixed you know and like a and like a therapy kind of way you know like i just like the problems that i had um uh, ran away from were were still there when I got back and i um still had to deal with those, uh, you know, head on instead of just running away. Well, before we get to the
0: successes of it, I'd, I'd love to talk about the um, the the parts of it that you're doing ton in, in cheek in terms of like, this was not what I was promised for Life Adventure or what I had sort of hoped for myself. Like you really love uh, comparing them against uh, sort of pop culture references in terms of like, there's a point where you say like, I grew up wanting to be Harriet the spy, but there's another chapter that that starts with you sort of uh, taking on uh, Kramer from Seinfeld and how he had, he was like, oh, I want to put sand in my waterbed because sleeping on the beach is great. And you're like, sleeping on the beach actually sucks. Like, uh, was mm-hmm, were, were there yeah. a lot of things that you felt like the world had really, you were talking about setting the bar low, but was there a lot of this that was just surprises about like I I thought this would have been better or more interesting or more useful? <laughs>
3: uh in some ways, yeah. I'm also like a really big Seinfeld fan, so like that's why I threw that in there. But um uh more than anything, uh I I felt like surprised like left and right like why um all the things like the kind of like insane things that that were happening to us kind of like almost every day and like like i said like i wasn't really expecting like too much like i i i figured that it would we would uh kind of be in for a wild ride by choosing not to uh, sleep in any hotels uh for our trip but um A lot of things just like i didn't think you would get like that crazy (laughs) and it's like and like this book just covers like um like the southeast asia um portion of the trip uh and i ended it right like at the you know before we went to india but in real life we actually went to um, india for a month and um rode motorcycles across india after that and india was like just even more insane than it was in Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand and stuff. Well, and why would so, like, the book to just that? <laughs> it was getting very, it was getting too long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so uh, I, I decided to split it into, uh, into two books. And I'm also like, uh, I just take forever to do anything. Like I started writing that book like nine years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and um just you know just was putting it off or like working on it like here and there and then would work on something else like i have i have add pretty bad so like i i can't work on like something for too long without like getting bored with it and like wanting to start something new
0: well you're talking to a fellow traveler there so that tracks (laughs) yeah so we 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 talked about what the the things that came up short were and the things that were surprising failures. What is it that like, as as a Kansas native, as somebody from the area, what were the things that were surprising and helpful that other people might be able to take from reading
3: the text? Um, like a lot of the people that I met were um just so nice and so generous and um, were just like truly like, intrigued to like just to see like me and my friend like out in the middle of nowhere and um, you know really wanted to, to like know our story and like i mean pretty much just like know why we were there like and what why we were doing this and um uh, i'm sorry what was the
0: other part of the question I mean, what can people take from your story? What are the what are the positives? What are the life lessons you learned?
3: Oh uh, yeah, it was like really interesting to see um that like those countries in like that kind of way. Like I don't want to call them like third world countries, but like I've def- definitely saw like a lot of like um very severe like poverty and stuff. And um but but like but with people with like smiles on their faces, like they, like people like over there, like really appreciate, appreciated what, what they had and did the most what they could with it. And um, another thing to expect, you know, from people like like you and me, like people in the Midwest, like one thing I really noticed was like um, you really, you really uh, start to appreciate how, how clean it is in the us and i'm not just talking about like like sanitary clean just like walking down the street and you know and it's not covered with trash like there's like so many like areas i was in like in southeast asia that were just like just completely littered just litter and um uh i like that was one thing that I thought was very striking and that I that was one thing I didn't like think that I would ever mit, like be missing would be like, you know, manicured lawns and you know, like nice roads. Uh you know, and and I know this it's just because it's just a different culture um over there. And it's like uh like like over here, we're very like recycle conscious and like don't litter conscious and stuff. But over there, like like that's not their culture at all. Like they, you know, eat a a Twinkie and like immediately throw the wrapper on the ground. So that was like one like really like stark uh, difference that I noticed from here and there.
0: Uh, what's the name of your book, and where can people find it?
3: uh the name of my book is uh tourist but it's spelled uh it's spelled wrong it's it's spelled uh, like to look like the word terrorist so it's t-o-u-r-o-r-i-s-t and um it is available uh at the trident uh cafe website tridentcafe.com it's also available on amazon i just found out recently Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. And I hope that uh, people check out the book. When is the uh, the second half of it coming out?
3: <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. Uh, Another nine years. Hopefully not that long. It, most of it's <laughs> written. I just like I'm just very meticulous with my uh, editing process. So hopefully in like a, I'll, I'll say two years.
0: Fantastic. I can't w- wait to read the the rest of it. Thank you, Tanner.
3: All right. Thank you.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Streetwise podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please check out the pitchkc.com each and every day of the week. We are bringing you important things, whatever form that may take that we have a lot of really cool features, breaking news, uh, opinion pieces, and, uh, and, and podcasts like this. We have a growing podcast network at the pitch podcast network. Please check out all of our other Uh, Member shows. Uh, Patrick Moore's uh, KC Top 5 is just uh, a hilarious time. He bought his own ad for that on the side of a dumpster uh, in Westport. So if you're ever driving down 39th Street, there's a big old, big old trash dumpster with our name on it. And that is where people throw away dog shit we are very important and beloved in the community um if you ever want to become a member of what we're doing to support local journalism our membership program is open uh you can find it on the website for a couple of bucks a month you help us keep the lights on and to keep doing the important work that we are bringing to you in the community uh, anyway, obviously things are a bit dangerous out there right now. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take the proper precautions. Um, maybe don't go to a gigantic concert anytime again soon. I think I'm done with that. So uh, I got to see Radke. Radke was awesome. And uh, Dave Grohl continues to, to spit a lot in the middle of his songs. God bless that beautiful smart man. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Pitch in, and we will make it through. Bye-bye-bye-bye.